I'm Tony Lockwood, founder of Thompson Wright Partners, and I'm delighted to welcome you to the latest episode of Inside Track, where I discuss business transformation journeys with leading figures in industry. Since launching these podcasts back in February 2020, the world has gone through the biggest transformation that I can remember. I've been fortunate to have been able to release a new episode every other week, and I'm grateful to everyone who has come on and shared their experience with me, and ultimately you, the listener. The last 15 months have been a blur for so many people, for so many reasons, and I'm genuinely surprised that we have now releasing episode number 40. How did that happen? Alan Shaw is my guest today, and given that he has uh, worked across multiple global locations and with many major organisations throughout his career, he may well be the most travelled guest that we have had on the show. Let me introduce you to him right now. Um, it's great to uh, welcome you to the uh, Inside Track podcast, Alan. Thank you for agreeing to join us today. Um, My pleasure. You have significant experience in leadership development, uh, working across organisations across the globe, as we've just been talking about, really. Um, do you want to give us a, uh, provide us with a brief summary of your career to date, just to, to put the context to our future conversation? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've had the privilege to 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 work and meet many, many great leaders over the years. I I have to say, absolutely brilliant. I've also met some not so good leaders as well. <laughs> well, 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 in our, life, our lifetimes. But yes, I I I I worked in corporate world uh, until a number of years ago. I'll leave it at that because you start to give uh, give them ages away, then don't you? And I, I worked in the, the health sector as an assistant director. And to be perfectly honest, uh, I, I split up my ex-wife and had joint custody of my two sons and then thought, Frankie, what do I do now? I've got limited leave and I've got a full-time job. So I resigned and my, my, my boss very kindly gave me a consultancy project starting on the, the Monday and I left on the, left on the Friday. So that was a great start to my, my new world of, of consultancy. And, and, and since then, I've worked with many major consultancies throughout the UK, as well as doing my own uh, self-employed consultancy work and working with, with various other people that I know in my network, so on, on, on different projects. And that work has taken me, me, taken me far and wide. I, I lived and worked in the States for, for quite a significant period of time. And uh, one of the projects I had there was uh, working with ex-professional football players and setting up um, soccer franchise operations. So that was quite exciting. So you go to work in a T-shirt and shorts, but you were talking business strategy. And it was quite interesting. The guy that I will name him, the guy that I worked with, was um, he was the epitome of what you'd imagine in The Godfather. <laughs> he was a guy named Al Fichera, and he was a, a New York Italian, but he knew how to run a business. So I, I worked with him and the ex-professional football players for, for, for quite a while. And I also lived in, in Texas, and I was looking at setting up a business out there, which, which didn't quite work out. I've also been out to Australia. I worked out there with a large retailer mm -hmm. uh, on a big leadership, transformational leadership program, which was also about increasing customer footfall. And that, that was exciting. You don't realize the size of the place. Mm. And so you go through time zones, traveling from one city to another. Yeah. Uh, that, that was, but yes, I... Um, so I've had a really, really good career, I think, and I've worked with some 
very, very uh, good companies, as I said, and I mentioned earlier on, some great leaders, some fantastic leaders, people prepared to transform and, and be changed. Okay, I'm sure we'll, uh, we'll dig a bit deeper into some of those relationships in, as, as we go through this podcast. Um, the podcast is, is about transformation. It's about um, those biz- business journeys through transformation. So how, how do you define transformation in that context? I, I think it's about creating invaluable and positive change for the long term. So it's not a quick fix. It's not a project. It's, it's a long-term program of change. And, and it's changing the, the, the shape and nature of the way you do business. So it's, it's, it's turning perhaps turning everything upside down and giving it a good shake and then see what, what, what comes out of that. And the most important part, and I know it's a bit of a cliche, but it's about engaging with the people. Mm-hmm. Uh, it really is taking people with you because that's one of the biggest challenges, challenges of change. You know, I'm a great believer in the investment of people i've i've always done that as a director of my own organizations and as a partner in in, in precisive and though we talk about people being your greatest asset but nothing works unless you get people to buy in and engage and be committed and and be transparent with what it is you're trying to do and listen to what they're saying to you so i i think that's what transformational change is is, is about it's to me it's a bit like you've got a jigsaw puzzle and you've got a picture in your mind of what that end uh, jigsaw puzzle picture will look like but does everyone else have the same picture and then what needs to happen to give them all that same picture that 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 that, that vision of the future and i guess another way i describe it to people is transformation is a bit like you've been somewhere on holiday and it was superb you know i was chatting earlier I mean, so, something superb and you come back and you want to sell that, that vision of what it's like to, to friends to go to, on that same journey. So you tell them all the, all the good bits about it, all the key features, and just what it would be like when they get there. You don't tell them about the mosquitoes. You don't tell them about the, <laughs> the nightclubs and next door to your hotel or whatever. Um, and I think that's, that's what transformation is, is, is all about. Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? And, and I like the analogy about the jigsaw because it, it, it is true, isn't it? That, you know, yeah, you have to have that clear vision of what that picture is that you're trying to create. Um, but all too often, other people within the organisation of the individual um, individual um, pieces of that jigsaw or, or have major influence on those individual pieces. Uh, and if you, if you don't get all of those components together, you don't get your thousand pieces in the jigsaw puzzle together do you to uh, to deliver that ultimate uh, that ultimate picture so yeah that's right you get you get to the, you get to the very end and you find there's two pieces missing yeah yeah so that, so that the picture's not complete yeah and and those two pieces tend to be the most important aspects that uh, uh, result in significantly dilution of the benefits Absolutely. yeah i mean one of, one of the best definitions that i ever came across around transformational change and, and transformational leadership was i was working with a uh, a large retailer in the in the UK over, over a number of years, so probably for about six, seven years. It was a major transformation program which the city had to buy into. And um, the, the the chief exec, the chair or the chairman, he 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 came to every single workshop that was held throughout the country, and there, and there were numerous, numerous workshops. Probably sixty or seventy different workshops were taking place. So everybody would understand the need for change and, and what it was all about. And he described 
what they were trying to do, he said, is I want you all to sit back, close your eyes and think of change as a school playground. He said, so what happens in that school playground? So people come up with things like there are cliques of people, there's, there's laughter, there's noise, there's people getting hurt, there's crying. It's just a, a variety of sounds. Yeah. And he said, well, that's what we're going to be going through. That's what our change will, 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 um, will do. He said, and in that period of time, he said, some people in this, this room will get hurt. Some people will fall over and graze their knee or bind their elbow. He said, they'll pick themselves up and they'll get on with things. Some people will fall over and it's just too much for them. He said, what I want to categorically confirm and state in this room is that I will help every single person to exit the business with respect and dignity. And, and I, I like that. He made, he made it quite clear that, that there's going to be some pain on the journey, but it was going to be exciting. There was going to be fun on the way, but uh, some people wouldn't make it, but he would allow them and support them exiting the business onto a new life and a new career. And I think that's what good leadership's also about, about being very transparent and upfront at the beginning. So that clarity of purpose is crystal clear. Absolutely. Uh, and I think, I think it is key, isn't it, that if he didn't come out and say that, everybody knows that that is the case and everybody knows that there will be people that are not going to be in the organisation post that transformation in most yeah. cases. Um, and and by, by not being clear and, and by not having that uh, direct message, um, you don't stop that worry, you don't stop the, the concern and, and, and by, by going through that process in the way that he did, again, people know where they stand and know that they'll be supported through the process. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's being honest with people, isn't it? It's yeah. being upfront with people uh, so that you also have to stand up and be counted because someone can then point the finger at you and say, well, that wasn't what you told us. Absolutely. Uh, and what he also did, which I thought was excellent, was he said, my office door will always be open. If you want to come and talk to me, he said, that's available. He said, I make it quite clear, though. Don't just come to talk to me. Come with a clear purpose in mind. Don't waste my time. Yeah. So there's that clarity of that, that leadership, so that people side, but that toughness, that steeliness at the same time, which I think are essential ingredients for leadership. Now, it's, it's interesting. It reminds me of uh, something that um, one of the earlier podcast guests um, mentioned I don't know, maybe episode 12, 14, a guy called Mike Chicot that I used to work with in the Royal Bank. And he, he, would, he, he uses the phrase often when, um, all the way through his career. So the first time I heard this was probably about 30 years ago. Um, and it's uh, people don't, don't care what you know until they know that you care. Nice. And, and uh, that sums that up again, doesn't it? it he's, he's showing that caring nature and he's being direct with them, um, but it, they, they'll 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 buy into that because he's he's got that caring nature and he's is 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 leaving the door open to come and engage. Absolutely, I mean, I I I I get frustrated at times by by people who are in leadership positions, and they they almost patronise people in how they go about communicating the message. And you know, as human beings, as people, we deal with change and we deal with uh challenging situations every day in our lives 
then when we go into work, some leaders for some unknown reason seem to think they take that responsibility off you and we will make decisions about you and what's going to happen on your behalf without consulting with you. So you don't need your brain at work. We'll make those decisions for you. And that's 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 wrong. It's totally, totally wrong. Which is a nice intro into a lot of what you've been doing is around leadership development. Yeah. So so in terms of leadership development in the context of transformation, what, what are the key aspects of that, do you think? Um like the must-have sort of sort of thing. Yeah. Well, from a leader's perspective, we've probably started talking on that. Well, I, I, I think as I started saying, I think leaders need to be very transparent. They, they, they need to be very honest with people. They, they they need to get people to trust them. I think trust is a absolutely critical part of of, of anyone's life because if you don't trust some someone about something, then you're cycling up a waterfall, aren't you? That 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 that's 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 the part. So I think I think leaders need to have this mixture of no, you've done some of the psychometrics, you no, know, you're a red or a blue or a green. And I I, I come out from a leadership perspective. I come out as as higher on the the people side on the green, higher, but I'm also high on the red. And so good leaders need to invest in people. All the things we've been talking about around the transparency and the honesty and respect and trust, all those key features of value-based things. But the, the end of the day, I need to get results. So I'm investing for a reason. Uh, it's not just for a, a good time and a soft, touchy-feely thing. So I, I think leaders need to have this, this steeliness, this, this, this consistency of message and consistency of the way that they, they go about their job and the consistency in the way that they behave in particular, you know, you know yourself, behaviours have become more and more to the party around uh, values in, in, in organisations. And again, I get quite frustrated when leaders have um, values on the walls of their organisations that mean nothing. Yeah. They were developed by the leadership team, but no one had any buy-in to them or any input to them, but you're expected to deliver them. Uh, so I, I think that's a, a, another aspect of, of of true leadership is being is having a values based approach. Yeah. So, people see through that immediately, don't they? It, of course they do. It, it 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 becomes a wallpaper, um, and and it only starts to mean something when people can see it in action, and it, and and it's in action when things get difficult as well as when things are running really smoothly. Absolutely. I was I was asked to do a consultancy piece in an organisation that was a large food manufacturer. And when I went into reception, and I like to go, when I go in, into meetings or if I'm invited in, I like to turn up nice and early yeah. and sit in reception. And then you get a feel for the culture and the shape and the nature of the business because you hear conversations going on. And I spotted on the wall in reception the values which were we treat people with dignity and respect all times. Yeah. yeah. So I, I clocked that. I thought, so when I went in, I was talking to the MD and I was talking about the values. Oh, yes, how proud they were of them, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And I said, well, how well do they define culture? So he, he, he was so proud of this. And I said, oh, well, how did they come about? Our leadership team, we sat in a room and we we, we developed these, these, these values. I said, well, how well bought into are they? I mean, how well are people committed to them? How well do they understand them on a day-to-day -day basis? Oh, you said you with pride in here, with pride. 
So I went onto the shop floor just to have a, a, a mosey around and wow, I've never known a culture like it in my life. It was sexist, it was bullying, it was intimidating, it was awful. Yet they had and they had a real hire and fire culture. Yet on the wall were these these values. We treat our people with dignity and respect at all times. Uh, I couldn't believe that an MD could sit in his ivory tower and give me this story and not think that I would find out. I mean, I was about to say, do you think I was stupid? But then <laughs> I don't answer that one. <laughs> but, but all too often, that's the case, isn't it? We, we, we've both been in lots of organisations. And, 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 and I do exactly the same. When you go in, um, the reception area tends to tell you a lot about the organisation. Yeah, how welcoming it is, how um, um, how welcoming the receptionist is. Um, you say, or the way that they, he he or she acknowledges you as you walk through. Um, yeah. All too often, it, it, I've I've found that in some organisations, it's you've got to almost go up and tap on the top of the counter before you get any attention, and that tells its own story straight away. Yeah, and it's almost like a daunting experience. They're like a gatekeeper, and they they, they, they sit there and say, thou shalt not pass, not unless I say so. <laughs> and, it, and, it, and it's the same on, on, on phone calls as well, isn't it? And, um, you know, the, 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 the dreaded gatekeeper. Um, and they forget at times that they are the, the, they are the um, um, voice of the, of the organisation. Um, and, and although you might be trying to sell into that organisation, you still get you still a potential customer in many cases of the organisation. Absolutely, if people the right way, that reputation um, can, but, can make a break. Exactly. I, I I worked in London for a number of years. And I worked for the well, I say I worked for the Independent Broadcasting Authority, and um, the the guy who was the the, the head leader, uh, I mean, he was just awful. He, he he didn't speak to anyone, and if he did, it was always by surname. And and I used to get my annual performance review, which my boss did in his office by himself with no involvement from me. <laughs> and he would take it upstairs to the to the the, the the top guy, and then you can guarantee within two minutes your phone would ring, and it was it was his secretary who was about four foot square, but she was oh she was intimidating. And you'd go up to the office and she'd tell you to stand in the corner like a naughty little schoolboy. Then you got invited into the, the, into the guy's office and he had a, he had a table, uh, a desk. That, oh, goodness me, you could probably pay five-a-side five football on. <laughs> and, and, and he had this high executive chair which he sat on, which he looked down at the table. And you had this little chair at the other end where your chin was almost on the edge of the table. And he used to slide your, your performance review towards you and then you put your hand on it. He'd say, read that sign. It got any problems, talk to Brian and you go back downstairs. And that was it. Yeah. And I always thought, I will never be that leader. That's not what good leadership is all about. And, and, I, I, and it's always stuck in my mind when I think about you know, transactional leaders, uh, controlling leaders, autocratic leaders, people that won't change. And, and I always think of this, this guy at the top and I think there's out there, there's still many of those types yeah, of people. Absolutely. And, and, and I think all too often people go into two camps, don't they, that have that experience. 
either do like you do and take it in retrospectively, take it as a positive because he showed you how not, or she showed you how not to be a leader. Um, um, but all too often, it's, well, that was how they did it to me. So I'm, I'm going to have all these other victims when, when I've got a team and I'm going to deal with them in exactly the same way. And, and, it, and it just gets passed from sort of uh, um, uh, generation to generation. And, 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 and you've got to break that loop at times, haven't you? And otherwise, it, the culture ne- never changes. Absolutely. And, and, and the, I mentioned about the NHS earlier on. And, and when I was working there, I was going through through my divorce, which was which was quite hard going at the time, obviously. And my, my boss was a superb manager, absolutely superb. I mean, in terms of leadership qualities, and he sat in his office one day because my performance and my productivity had, had gone down, and he spotted this. So he called me into his office and he said, "He got a piece of paper and he drew a line down the centre, and he said, right, so I want you to write on the right hand side. I want you to write down." the key tasks, the key responsibilities, the projects you've got on the go at the moment. So I wrote those. He said, on the left-hand side, I want you to write down and be honest with me about the things that are getting in your way at this point in time. Mm-hmm. So that was about laziness, lateness, you know, just lack of productivity, lack of motivation, all these sorts of things. And this is what I respect in leaders, but having that mature conversation, he sat me down and said, right, he said, I need you to do what's there on the right-hand side. Left-hand side is causing a problem. I can help you with those, and I will support you through all of those. But I make it quite clear, I need right-hand side doing. And if you can't, we'll have a separate conversation. Yeah. And, yeah. I, and I always respected him for that because he was being upfront, saying, I empathise. However, yeah. there's yeah. a job to be done. No, absolutely. Um, it, it's... Um... Yeah, it's, it, it, that is the, the only way, isn't it? But it, just for going back to the previous conversation or um, discussion aspect, um, do you think that's do you think it's changing with the with, with the um, um, as, as you know, where of a certain men of a certain age, shall we say, <laughs> uh, mature, mature, yeah, yeah and, and and I just find with my children who you know the 18 to 28 um they've got a completely different mindset um, yeah and and a completely different um perspective on work and and what they'll put up with within organizations i agree and and i don't think a lot of those a lot of people within that that um uh, that um age group would put up with some of the things that you've just been talking about Sitting in that and, and people looking down and, and throwing stuff across, they'll just get up and walk out because, or they'll, they'll say something and they'll, they'll, they'll come more publicly. So, I, so I, I think there is this sort of generation aspect that's really positive. Um, yeah. yeah. People call them a, a bit flighty and, 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 and such, but actually, it's quite a positive. They're not putting up with the crap that we put up with in, in our early career. Just just before I came on talking to you on the radio, they were talking about uh, you know, this nightclub issue that the government's changed, done, done the U-turn. And there was a, a woman came on saying that she thought the younger generation were an absolute disgrace, the way they were all um, 
meeting up in these nightclubs and passing on COVID and all this kind of stuff, total lack of responsibility. In fact, she even went to the extent of saying, it's people at them that are killing people like me. And I couldn't believe that anyone would have that kind of mindset. Mm-hmm. And, oh, well, I can believe having the mindset, but actually come on a national radio and say it. Yeah. And, and I was shocked by it because I think the younger generation have got so much to offer. And the, the, the way they think and the innovation and the creativity that they have nowadays, it, we pale into insignificance because they have got the guts to challenge, to, 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 to check the, the status quo, not to push back on stuff. And, and that's what good leadership is also about. So when you're trying to uh, implement change, transformational change, the, the old ways of doing it just won't work anymore because the, the, the working population will push back and push back. And I think the, the, the COVID pandemic is proving that about people's resistance to returning to the office environment. Yeah. And and some people, have, some leaders have been on, say, business leaders saying, no, they, they better get back. I, I want them back. They, they can't stay at home any longer. But there's a genuine fear and anxiety in these the, these younger people. They they don't want to go somewhere where it's going to be unsafe working conditions. They doing things as they've always done. So we need different leaders to to work with different people. And yeah. I think some of the I mean, you and I have talked about maturity. I think there's still a lot of those mature ones out there that need to move over and create some space for a new way of thinking, leadership generation, a, y- a younger generation of leaders. Yeah, and I think the um, that understanding of the need to treat people as individuals rather than yeah. um, treating people on block and, 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 and trying to make one rule that fits everything. Um, has worked in the past, absolutely, but won't work in the future. Yeah. Um, um, because they're, they're just, they're, they're just te- as far as I can see, they're not prepared to put up with stuff. They will walk and they'll, 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 they'll go elsewhere. And they might not walk immediately, but you, you, you've got a disgruntled employee. Disengaged. That at some stage will lead the organisation and all that investment that you put into them, somebody else will take advantage of. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you, you, it's it's about you know in the old days, in the old days. It's a like trip down memory lane here. Um, thinking about some of the change programs I've seen in the past, and and change was done to people, wasn't it? Yeah. And, and and if people challenged, they, they they were seen as being awkward and difficult and resistant to change. And they're not. They're, they're like what the younger generation are now. That they're asking questions. They want. They're seeking clarification. They want to understand. Because if they fully understand, then they become more engaged. And when they're more engaged, then they come up with ideas. And they. they so they're, they're more. I say more creative and more more innovative in the way the, the way they go about it. So you've got to create a listening organisation when you're going through change, haven't you? I mean, God gave us two ears and one mouth but we don't use those proportionally at times. And I think that's what's so important about change. Yeah. I think the, um, the, the, the whole concept of two ears, one mouth can never be overlooked, can it? It's so often um, communication um, 
is perceived as telling people to do stuff or telling people, not listening to people. Uh, and and we've, we've all been in situations where we started off on a, on, on, a, on a journey. We thought it was going down one particular route. But when you listen to people, the people in the business tend to know a lot more than the leaders in the business or the, or, or the, or the people that are leading the transformation programme will ever know. Um, and if you listen to those people and you take on board the, um, those people at the right time, you can avoid going down so many cul-de-sacs and deliver the transformation a lot quicker and a lot easier if you, if you are prepared to utilise your two ears rather than your one mouth. Yeah, I, I agree. No, that's why I think you know, John Cotter's model still stands up to the test of time, doesn't it, around change, the importance of communication, communication, communication. And, and securing that buy-in from people. You know, if people don't understand, then you, you can't get people to engage with it, can't get people to, to, to work with it. It just, just, just won't work at all. That's why we call this podcast the Inside Tra Business Transformation Journeys, because it is a journey, and you've got to take people on that journey. And some yeah. people will never come. Some people will come kicking and screaming. But a lot of people, if you take them through the process and... and, and and as we said right at the start, explain the picture of where we're going and why we're doing it and, and what it will look like and what it will feel like and, and, and what it sounds like when you get there. Yeah. You get people bought into that then and they'll come with you and they'll help you and support the transformation. As Absolutely. To I mean, we, 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 we at Precisive, you know, we, we, we like to think of ourselves as, as guides. You know, I, I can't tell you how to run your business. But what I can tell you is what not to do, yeah. because I've got years of experience of where things go wrong with, with, with transformational change. And so I know all the pitfalls and I can help you to avoid those pitfalls so that you, the journey, as you called it, that you, you stay on that same track and you don't have these pushbacks. And, you know, this, this, this issue about 75% of change initiatives fail or stall or whatever doesn't surprise me, but... What does surprise me is the fact that people still state that statistic. It's a shocking statistic, but nothing's been done about it. So obviously the same mistakes are still being made out there because they still use the same, the same statistic. So you're a big believer, as I am, that successful change requires that alignment of culture, leadership, behaviours and yeah. business strategy. Just, just explain yeah. a little bit more about what you mean. I mentioned earlier on, Tony, my, my starting point is, 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 is having a conversation around that clarity of purpose. So what, why do you exist as an organisation? Do you all have that clarity of understanding of what it is you're in business for, what it is you're, you're, you're trying to do? And from there, only then, can you start to define or develop a comprehensive business strategy that makes sense because you've all got that clarity of, well, we're here to do this, so what business strategy will enable that to happen? So you've got that clarity of purpose, you've got the business strategy, you're all talking the same language, you're all kicking the ball in the same, the same direction. Okay, to, to, to do that, we need to assure that the, the people strategy, the people side is aligned to what the business strategy is asking of them. Mm -hmm. And clearly that then has, has demands upon the way you go about things with values and, 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 and behaviours. So you can have any business strategy in the world. You can walk all over people to make loads and loads of money, but at what cost? And so that's why you know, values and the, the, the behaviours from the very top 
are consistent and authentic and and and, and realistic at, at, at all times and and i think people pay lip service a little bit at times to the importance of culture and the the impact that's that's uh, a change strategy will have on have upon the business and there's, there's, there's too many leaders think that it's, it, it, it's a quick fix with, with culture and it's the most challenging it's the hardest part isn't it you ask people to define culture and i i, I always remember working with a big manufacturing company and I, I took the senior management team and the executive team away to, to, to talk about the changes that we're facing as an organization. And I, I, and I put them in two corners. They, they like to stand. They didn't like sitting down, so being engineers. So they, I put them in two corners of a room and I gave them a flip chart each. I said, right, I'd like you to draw a picture of the current culture. So the executive team they mulled around with it, but then they came up with the idea of the, 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 a sailing analogy. So they, they drew this desert island. And on this desert island, there was the executive team and they, there was music and there was a bar and they were all in, in the sea and they were partying and it was just sunshine. It was wonderful. And the senior management team clocked on to the type of drawing they were, they were thinking about. So they went down the same route, but a slightly different way. And they drew a picture of a Spanish galleon that hit rocks and was sinking. So it was it was it, that's this angle in the in, in the water, and there was a, a rowing boat rowing away from the galleon. That was the executive team, yeah. and the sailing the the, the the galleon was surrounded by sharks, and on the on the ship that was sinking were the senior management team. Right. So that's. A senior management team and executive team in the same organization with two totally different pictures of defining the culture and so different at that. So the executive team thought they were communicating well, thought they were leading well, they painted a vision for the future. But the senior management team felt that they were just landed them right in it and that at any stage they would just walk away and leave them right in it at the same time. And I just thought that was fascinating. Absolutely, yeah. two, 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 two teams that met every single week for, for um, executive meetings, senior management team meetings, but they had two totally different pictures of the culture of the organisation. So that's why culture is so important uh, and, and really driving into, you know, we know the analogy of the iceberg, what's underneath the iceberg. And it's, so it's not just looking at the culture superficially. That's why you need that people engagement to drive right into the culture and find out the real picture of. And I, I, I have a very simple way of going about um, tackling culture. I just take a flip chart, or I ask them to say, write down as is. So what's 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 it like at the moment? How do you want it to be in the future? And what actually gets in the way of that happening? Very simple way of going about looking at, at culture. But it's very, very powerful because people talk the words of the organisation, and and it's quite interesting when you, this is what it's like, and then you see well this is what is we want it to be like, and that gap is horrendous at times, very, very challenging, and that's when you realise the scale of the transformation that's required, and where the problems lie in the organisation. Yeah, and as you say, it is looking at something from an external perspective. <clears throat> excuse me, with that very simplistic approach can open up so much in an organisation. Oh, rich information. 
rich information. But, but more, more often than not, those organisations get caught up in so much of the pol politics of the organisation, so much of the stories that are going on, the, uh, the misinformation, etc. Just bringing it back to that. Tell us where it is now. Tell us where you think it should be. And let's understand the, uh, the, the stuff that's stopping you from going from A to B. Really simplistic, but will be so insightful for many organisations. And, 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 and you know, you, you can't realise change unless you start to talk about those things. And very often you'll also hear people say, and it's been like that forever more in a day. We've, we've, we've had these conversations in the past and nothing's happened about it. So we're just going down the same route again, which I also find quite frustrating when you're called into an organisation that allowed that to happen, allowed it to, 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 to manifest itself. So um, we've, we've talked about getting the right conditions in place. The, the next yep. key thing I find is, is driving that momentum and keeping the momentum going. What, so what, 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 what ideas and what, what, you know, what experiences have you had that you can share that can help people to keep that momentum going in, in, in large-scale transformation programs? Well, on a, a couple of um, major transformation programs, what, what, what we did was that we invested time into the management population uh, in terms of coaching. So talking about looking from a 360 degree perspective about their styles, their behaviours, the, 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 the way they went about things. So they were getting a bit of a fix uh, from the feedback they were generating from the, the, their own teams as to what some of their challenges might be and how they felt about their, their style. And then creating this coaching culture into the organisation. So managers were not just managing, they were coaching. So you were having these constant uh, conversations, these continuous conversations, these interventions, these support type uh, uh, elements. And you know, if you can create that coaching culture where managers don't, don't see themselves as managing the numbers, managing the figures, managing this, managing that, but actually talking to people from a coaching perspective, that tends to, that I, I, I personally think that maintains momentum. That goes a long, long way because it's not just having something done to you, you're being, you're having those interventions, that support that you, you want and need and that your managers are creating for you. Yeah. yeah. So we always finish these up um, with a final question, which is what's your one takeaway? You know, the one thing that you need to have in place for transformation to be successful. The, the, the one takeaway for me is about being genuine and being consistent in how you go about things. You know, whether it's good news or bad news, that people will, 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 will trust where you're taking them. So I think that's, that's, that's absolutely critical. So be honest with people at all times. I... I said to my my two sons when they were quite early, I said, no, quite young. I said, there's three things that are important in life, honesty, trust, and respect. And if you have those three things, you'll never go wrong. So conversations that we have, we will use those words at all times. I might not like what I hear, you might not like what I hear, but we'll be consistent. So we'll get the same message out all the time. So I just think those, those, those elements are absolutely critical to, to success. Great way to finish off. Thank you very much. My pleasure. I hope it was useful. It's great. Thank you. Cheers, Tony. Alan, once again, thank you very much for your time and insights today. 
Alan is a fellow member of the Transformation Leaders Hub, a community exclusively for those working in project, program, change and transformation. If you haven't checked it out, click on the link below to see how it may benefit you in your future career. After 40 shows, we are taking a little rest over the summer and we'll be back in mid-September with a new series of the Inside Track podcast. See you then.